So what is it that we gain by doing this practice? That's a question that might come up in your mind sometimes. And it comes up throughout the time while one follows this path. May it be a week, a month, a year, 10 years, 20 years, or even if you continue to work on this all your life, you might still end up having those questions. And it's important to know that questions are what makes us move along. Questions and the attitude of being a question, the openness of a question, the wonder of what might the question yield. And questions are like answers. Questions are like moments in time. A question is valid only at the time it comes up. And if there is an answer to the question, that answer also just fits into that very moment. However, as we all know from observing our own nature, our mind, our education, our hopes go to more into the direction of wanting a final answer, a final something that helps us get over something, finish it for good, close it off, check it off, be done with it. But as we know, the nature of life, the nature of the activity of Dharma is not static. It does not really support any kind of static idea, any static existence, no fixation. There is no fixation in the activity of the Dharma. The activity of the Dharma, the activity of time, you might call it, the activity of nature, just works. It continues working. And even if it comes to a point of rest, of complete unification, where there is no separation, where there is no this, no that, where there is no seeker, nothing to be sought, where there is nothing to be perceived and nobody to perceive it. Even in that state of unification, there is dynamic movement. It doesn't get stuck. The human hope of reaching such a place and of staying there, 
is at odds with how things are. And we all know that from our own lives. We all know if we are attached to something, attached to an idea, attached to a wish, attached to fear, attached to what we had experienced in our life before that has left a bad memory. We see and we experience every day how these attachments are, what leads us to experience what the Buddha talked about, suffering. Suffering and more suffering. Now, throughout the time that I have read about Buddhism, that word suffering always sounded to me like its origin. And we have to be aware that the first translations of the Sanskrit, of the Pali even, were made into the Western languages by people who had some kind of Judeo-Christian background. So suffering was a word that they used. Now modern authors and modern translators, they like to use words like unsatisfactoriness. Well, first of all, that's a mouthful. But even that is based upon having some idea of a self that needs to be satisfied. Suffering needs somebody to suffer. But the teaching of Tathagata Zen, the teaching of the Dharma activity, just points to the mere activity of change. The mere activity of change that works without will and desire that breaks up from a unified state into the multitude of phenomena that we experience every day, objects. And since they are objects, of course those objects, even though they have temporary nature, they are objects. The Latin root of the word object is to stand against. So there is resistance, there is friction, and the activity of change that these objects experience are what the Buddha talked about as suffering. The more we fixate ourselves, the more friction we will experience. The more friction, the more we suffer. But there is suffering as change <coughs> everywhere, all the time. Things have to change. Only if we fixate on a single idea, on a state that is static, that does not move, then we will experience the highest degree of suffering. 
Look at your breath. Follow your breath when you sit. The teaching of Susokan, of Kokyo, of breathing, as it is called in the Japanese Zen tradition, is exposing us to the nature of the Dharma activity. We see, we feel, we experience in our bodies the activity of inhalation that goes to a point where there, there is no more need to further inhale. And naturally, the activity of inhalation comes to an end. And after a brief respite, the activity of exhalation takes over. And naturally, we exhale until the exhalation reaches a point where there is no more need to exhale. And it rests. And again, inhalation takes over. As simple and as banal and as obvious that might appear to the intellectual mind, we have to come to the understanding that this is the fundamental principle upon which all change that we experience is based. Two opposing forces, plus and minus, tatagata, tataagata, thus come, thus gone, male and female, light and dark, life and death, birth and decay. These two mutually opposing activities are the manifestation of the Dharma activity. But by studying it, by experiencing it fully, we learn that neither of those activities is to be preferred. There is no preference for inhalation. There is no preference for exhalation. Things that arise are not better treated by the universe than things that disappear. It just happens. And by seeing through that in our breathing, we learn to see the same pattern in our mind, the same pattern in our behaviors, the same pattern in the relationships that we have. And we learn to notice where we are fixated, where we put the stake into the ground and fixate us ourselves to an idea where we fixate on this or that, where fear arrives because we hold on to something from the past, where hopes arise because we hope for something in the future. But by following the breath and by applying that wakefulness, 
through everything we do. We learn to see ourselves and the working of our mind more and more as an expression of that Dharma activity. So when something upsets us, the Zen practitioner will ask a question. Not only who is it, who is upset, but also what is it that is he is so deeply invested that it creates all this ruckus? What is that disturbance? of the natural flow of things. And that ends up in a place of truly looking at what we understand, who we are, what makes up who we are. And by practicing that over and over again, fixations will breakdown, attachments will be let gone. New attachments will come, but we learn to spot them, we learn not to hold on to them, and we learn to become more and more attuned to the activity of change. And I know that there is a big, big fear there from a fixated ego point of view. What happens if I let go of that? What happens if that disappear? It disappears. I will be nobody. And that fear, of course, is what we have to look at. Who is afraid? What is it? that this ego is so much invested into, that it can't let go. Questions, questions, questions. Let the words from those questions melt away and keep what is the most important in it, the question mark in the end. Make yourself into that question mark. You don't even have to say anything. You just have to become that question mark. 